Ethan Huffman. Now, Ethan, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a pod, and I think about three weeks since we've been together on a pod, and I gotta say, us not having a pod last week was definitely your fault. Yes, it was my fault, because I will tell you, there was a pod recorded. Undoubtedly, a pod was recorded. Elkin uploaded his video, I had mine ready to go, and I have no clue what the circumstances were that I never came back to edit it. But one thing is certain, it was not edited. There are two, still two separate audio files of Elkin speaking with a bunch of gaps and Ethan speaking with a bunch of gaps, and they never were merged together to create a uni, uniform pod. Well, I, I all I got to say about that is, you know what, maybe at some point when during the off season it's just, it's just a lull, we don't know what to post, we can't make it happen, we're just going to post that. And uh, you're going to hear reactions to Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Uh, and it will definitely not, whatever the opposite of an evergreen pod is, that, that's what that's going to be. Yeah, a spoiler alert, I correctly predicted the exact scores for both games. <laughs> I guess we're just going to have to believe it. <laughs> no, I, think, I, I will say the big, the big premise of that concept was, that was, that was the first, after the first Bucks win. And, you know, the whole joke, the joke that the series doesn't start until a team loses a home game was definitely a joke I made more times than I should have. And I, the, the point, my, my biggest point was if DeAndre Ayton, it can't play a big, a chunk of time, how, how do the Suns not have big lulls where there's nothing going on for them? Whereas I thought the Bucks, when they have to play their eighth guy, that's not very good. Um, Jeff Teague, most recent, it comes to most recent memory, but they they at least can throw out a, a Bryn Forbes then and hope he's hot that day, or you can throw out like you can try something else. Like they have options, whereas they, the the Suns have no other centers, and that 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 problem persists, and I I think will continue to persist. I mean, no other centers. I mean, pretending like Frank Kaminsky isn't you know, a, a, a living, breathing human, or or that Jalen Smith, let's not forget what the Jalen Smith pick, Ethan. Um, anyways, we, we don't need no, to... We don't no need other to... centers. <laughs> oh, man, this is actually Frank Kaminsky slander. Um, but it's, it's interesting. So I've not been on the pod since the beginning of the finals. Uh, we recorded it, I think, the Sunday before... And then I had to move. We moved to from one apartment to the other apartment. And, like, the, the huge big day that we, like, moved most of the stuff from our, uh, from our house, uh, old place to the new place, uh, that was on game one of the finals. So I, I it, it's been tough because I've not, I've not actually, until maybe the last game or the last couple games, I, I've not been able to actually watch uh, the games live. I, I think, actually, yeah. Game five is the only one that I've actually watched live because I was moving on game one, and and then we uh, had you know, other other things going on. Like I've been coaching uh, in a basketball tournament for summer league, and and so all those games happening during. You know, so I have, to, I have to watch it and catch up, and so it's been it's been an interesting thing being you know going back, kind of knowing all right, the Giannis block is going to happen because notifications still come through, but regardless. Man, it's been a good finals. Yeah, no, I, I've actually been in the same boat. Like I've, I think game, game five is one of the ones I've, one of the two I've watched live. But I've, 
I've been enjoying the incredible Portland weather, and I'm like, well, I don't care if I watch things live. As long as I don't know the final score, I can know who wins, but I can really enjoy like the process of it still because I love basketball. I don't mind knowing the result in hand um, and, and, and enjoying the sport. So I've been you know, playing a lot of golf as much as I possibly can and taking – and then watching the game on my own time. In fact, um, for Game 4 specifically, I watched, the night of, I watched the first three quarters of Game 4, and then said, oh, I'm really sleepy. I'm not going to get the most out of it. So I actually watched <laughs> the last quarter of Game 4 um, right after Game 5 concluded yesterday. Wow, so you, you didn't see the honest block until... No, not until... I mean, I, I, mean, I saw the highlight, I was, obviously. Uh, it, right, right, right. But I mean, that, that's been all over because the place. It, it, it had been too many days to not see the highlight. Um, but, yeah, no, like, I, it's one of those things, like, I, I really do love basketball. And so, like, as long as, like, as long as I don't know, like, if, if, as long as I didn't have someone announce the game in my ear, like, so I don't listen to the recap pods, obviously, because you'll get some play-by-play stuff in there from time to time. I, you, can have a, you can have a great time still watching the game because it's still exciting because it's NBA basketball. These guys are great. And, and with that, we probably should talk about the last two victories that the Milwaukee Bucks have as they've taken a 3-2 lead. Um, as, again, it, sh- it should be noted, uh, from my perspective, I've been, from the beginning of the playoffs, I've said Bucks are winning the finals in seven games. That's been kind of my stance from the get-go, and it, I gotta say, lost, might have lost a little bit of faith there after the first two games, but he, here we are, and what's really interesting is that it's come on the back of some someone having, uh, at least one person having a, um, a really, really good offensive output, but then some defensive, really impactful defensive plays down the stretch for the Milwaukee Bucks, and I mean, game four, there's really, you know, Chris Middleton on a not hyper-efficient, but still getting 40 points, uh, you know, offensive output uh, on the, you know, the Giannis had like kind of back-to-back 40-point games and then had a, I don't know, less crazy offensive output where he's, you know, throwing up like 26 points and, uh, you know, grabbing 14 boards and so like, so he, he had not, not that great of a game, but then, you know, Chris Middleton comes up and drops 40 right so that then but then you know Giannis comes with with that ridiculous block hedging uh quite a bit off of the uh you know DHO and then the you know Booker lob bubble a little bit high and it's just really incredible and you know listening to him think uh, talk about some of it you know how he's turning around and he's trying to you know he knows that the ball is going to be going to DeAndre Ayton's hand, so going and trying and reaching there, it's it was really it, it's really just goes to show in game you know four like one of the things that we always questioned was well you know can Giannis close on the stretch and he didn't have to right at least offensively right you had Middleton there to do that but Middleton much maligned in my group chats um, and you know Drew Holiday having. Again, the defensive impact that he needed to have in that game, but offensively, being basically a no-show, missing, I should say, blowing layups in, in Game 4. And and so it's just, it, it's, but what's what's really interesting about the Bucks is if you, if you really have two out of three of their guys going crazy and, you know, you can kind of hold the the Bucks guys down, and maybe, maybe, you know, Booker went off in this game, but if you can hold the other guys down, 
uh, to a respectable level, you can pull out the victory. Yeah, undoubtedly. Giannis has to be the stable in hand for, like, I mean, er, er, people have been saying it for, for several seasons. Um, basically, ever since Point Giannis became a thing, and then we saw some of his in-game um, flaws, uh, that mi- minus that fadeaway against the Knicks, like, when he, when he's really having his coming-out party. Um, like, everyone's always said, well, he's going to have str- trouble getting buckets down the stretch because you can always just foul him. And, like, so Chris Middleton developing into his own and Drew Holiday um, being added to this team has really uh, – you know that br- it bridges the final two minutes of the game when Giannis has his, has his struggles. But in every game this series, Giannis is just putting up just steady Eddie numbers. He's getting good assists. He's rebounding. He's playing incredible defense, uh, help side, and also man to man. Like he's just he's doing it all and always putting up a, a, a game score to be proud of. And then Chris Middleton and and Drew uh, fill in fill in the gaps, and obviously uh, Pat Connaughton, who is apparently a a god these days. This man just can't miss, and um, you know just. The, that that combination is is why the Bucks can be such a a solid team game in game out regular season, but also like here in the postseason they can still compete because they do have options. Not to mention like still a guy like Brook Lopez, but when he's out there, you have to pay attention to him. Otherwise, you're giving up easy dunks or wide open threes. In game four, Pat Conton, a uh, game. I, I guess I should check. Yeah, okay. Just don't. I, I want to double check the Suns. I mean, they lost, so I didn't want to get get over ambitious. But a, t, uh, a game high plus twenty one in that again plus minus. Not the not 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 the be all end all. But you know him coming out here, shooting forty three percent on you know seven, seven attempts from three, spacing the floor, and knocking them down. And I I got a conspiracy theory for you. All right, I told you pre pod. Hey, I got I got a little bit of a conspiracy theory. I, I don't know. So I here's what it was. You know how you know how everyone's been kind of getting on the Giannis. Oh, you know Giannis. He must be tired, or he's he's uh, you know breathing too heavy. And Giannis said, "Oh, he had to go tinkle or whatever." When he kind of leaves after the first three minutes of the first quarter, I think this is him saying, "Listen, Coach Bud, we gotta play Pat Connaughton more." And I know that you don't want to actually start the man. And, and you want to wait, but we really need Pat Connaughton in the game. And so because I know that you're going to be a guy who wants to have players not come in for super short stints, unless your name is Thanasis, um, what's going to happen is if I sub myself out, you're going to bring Pat Connaughton in for that brief amount of time. And then I come back in, and you're not going to want to take him back out. You're going to go ahead and take out one of P.J. Tucker or Brooke Lopez and now we got Pat Connaughton minutes, small ball, uh, in, in the case in Game 4 when they took Brooke Lopez out. And now Pat Connaughton's getting his, you know, 31 minutes in Game 4 and uh, going over to Game 3 where he's up to 33. It's That's my little conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory. I don't think Giannis is, you know, got, got flustered in the moment or... Uh, or tired, so we had to take a bit, like, that's all, that, that seems a little bit, you know, maybe yet to pee, I don't know, but I just, <laughs> that's my conspiracy theory. Oh, I like it, because Pat Connaughton has been incredible, so I'm running through his uh, series stats right here, and the guy's uh, got a, averaging 11 points per game, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, but obviously here's the kicker, guys, he's shooting 50% from 3 for the series. That and he hasn't missed a free throw too. So like there's just whatever's going on with with that man and you know shooting the ball in his bed when he, before he goes to sleep like Pistol Pete, um, it's just it's all it's all coming up 
Pat Connaughton right now. And we love to see it, you know, former Blazer. You know, like we, we, you have plenty of former Pistons that you're, you're going to stand for forever. Chris Milton, I'm sure, is, oh, yeah. is the one. And I'm sure some of the ire in those group chats come from you standing Chris Milton when he was on his on his rise saying former Piston. And so thus people hate him because because of you. Yet they realize yeah, that the hate, the hate is your fault. <laughs> it's not true. I'm not I'm not standing Chris Milton. It's it's I I I feel as though in those group chats when it comes to Pistons, like I'm just I let them know like listen, I'm rooting for Langston Galloway and Chris Middleton. I'm sorry, Chris Middleton's just gonna get the minutes that Langston Galloway is not gonna going to in this series. Which I guess no, he, he, he sorry Langston can't play center, so he doesn't deserve any time in the series. But uh, it's it, it's really not. It's just me saying hey, he's. He's a solid, good player, and you know what? It, it's we're, we're not gonna we're not, not gonna get there. It, they're really just slandering him because someone else called him discount KD, and someone else thought that that was too generous. But hey, we're here, and we're one one win away from the, from the Bucks winning the finals. Um, with with Pat Connaughton going crazy, uh, playing very very well offensively, we should say. You know, defensively, I think that it's probably, I mean, he's, he's giving decent effort. It's just, guess what? If you are, it's kind of the Steph Curry defensive syndrome. I wanted to really clarify, you know, first, focusing on the defensive end. Steph Curry is not a bad defender. He's probably a below average to average defender um, for his position. Yeah. But guess what? You're going to get hunted if you're the worst of the uh, defender on you know, in, in the finals matchup, if you're the worst of everyone else out there because they're so great, they're going to attack you. And guess what? That's Pat Connaughton um, whenever he's on the floor. And so it's, of course, not going to look that great. But because he's playing so well offensively and you've got the other guys there, I I look and, and think to myself, there's one more lineup adjustment that Bud can make. And that is to you know start Pat Connaughton from the get go. I just don't think that's going to happen because of how long it generally takes Bud to make some of these decisions. He seems to be the kind of guy that says, "Hey, this is working. We're getting wins. So let me not mess anything up." And so, uh, unless it's possible, the Bucks go out and lose Game Six, and maybe Peter Tucker just looks awful. The I just don't see him making that adjustment and actually putting him in. So we're going to have to rely on the conspiracy theory that, you know, Giannis is going to take have his early sub out, which he didn't do in Game 5, by the way, just just to be clear. Maybe maybe they had some conversations after the fact. I don't know. <laughs> but I I think that, I mean, Connaughton's getting the minutes he deserves, right? He's playing 31, 33 minutes, so it, it's fine. But I don't know. You, you could find, I mean, you could find, I think, more time... I think you could find more time for him. I think you could go up into the high 30s if you needed to. And considering the offensive output of P.J. Tucker the last two games, I mean, you look at game four where he literally took one field goal attempt. One. You look at game five here, and he's out here taking uh, two field goal attempts. So he's... The the real input that I see uh, P.J. Tucker making is that his defending... Devin Booker kind of just takes the Phoenix's 
offensive input and 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 makes it less variable. It, it makes it so he's not so so they're not going to multiple things. It's just Devin Booker sees that he can get a shot over him whenever he wants, right? Pitchcocker's not not the lengthiest man, um, and so he can go in and rise up over. And and so Devin Booker's have forty point games, but he's not getting other people as involved, and it ends up being more ISO heavy. So. But I don't know. I, I would rather I would rather have some contribution, um, you know. And I, I don't. Know. I, I just I just that that's what I see. That's my preference. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think I think that the trick is understand if if PJ Tucker's defensive impact true is, is truly being measured correctly, right? And I think that's the hardest thing I always have with him because I as much as I love Josh, like I'm going to compare him to Josh Richardson right here, very different body types, but like they're guys who can be very good defenders. But a lot of the reason you think that they're so good is they're always moving. They're always screwing crazy hands. Pat Beverly is another one of these guys can be a really good defender, but a lot of it is antics. A lot of it is just visually moving a lot, I think. And I, I have a hard time knowing whether he's truly bothering some of these shots or if guys are just missing, like, you know, when Kevin Durant has a bad shooting night against PJ Tucker. I don't really actually want to credit PJ Tucker that much. I'm just like Kevin Durant shot bad because when Kevin Durant make shoots 40 or shoots 50% from the field off incredibly difficult shots, we're not like, I mean, we're just like, oh, it's Kevin Durant. He's just doing his thing. All right. So I don't know where the impact stops with with uh, PJ Tucker if how much he can bother him because I, I know he doesn't bother Chris Paul but Chris Paul just gets him in the cycle and gets him on his hip and gets a foul that's what happens but I do agree Pat Connaughton definitely is entitled to the minutes he's getting and if they, if they were to increase the load I think it would it would be a benefit to the Bucks offense because he is willing to shoot he's actively hunting shots and he moves off the ball much better than PJ Tucker so he's also He's not getting them all the time, but he'll he'll do a cut. He'll get the ball. Been the best player on a college team for his team before. He can catch one dribble, kick out, keep the offense moving. Whereas PJ Tucker likes to do those couple big high dribbles, post spin, and like you now wasted four seconds of a bad offense with PJ Tucker touching the ball. Here, I guess here's the benefit of PJ Tucker. Right, even though he's offensive output, and we'd mentioned the defense, and even though the defense, like you hate Devin Booker, can still get a shot over you, right? It's it's the same kind of thing where it's like, hey, it doesn't matter who you put on Kevin Durant. He's going to go out there and get his. So uh, because of that, let's go ahead and not give someone the defensive responsibility of having to work so hard just for Kevin Durant to knock down a regular shot over him. Someone who, ha- who, who we need to have a really good offensive output. So let's not worry about Giannis or Middleton defending him. Let's go ahead and give it to P.J. Tucker who can rest on the offensive end by standing in the corner. And so you just got to bring it on the defensive end. Well, if you put Pat Connaughton in there, Pat Connaughton is not going to make Devin Booker. I mean, Devin Booker, I don't even, I don't know if I would really say that he's being forced to work all that hard to, to, to get some of these shots. Like, again, he can just rise up over him and his shots, his shots high enough that any contest really isn't doing tons. But at the same time, you are, Pat Conten's not going to be able to defend him to to the even degree I think that P.J. Tucker is. Like, I, you, you see him picking on Pat Connaughton, and he's not going to be that, that type of, you know, Pat Bev, 
like you mentioned before, like getting up, getting up into the guy, and even even though it's like, hey, he's he's moving a whole lot. Is he? But is he really doing? Is he really playing defense well? Um, it, it's pre- maybe preventing Chris Middleton from having to defend him the whole game, right? So, I, I suppose it's more a matter of preservation of your offensive of your main offensive players to have PJ Tucker out there and to just absorb that and, and take some of that time. So I. I don't know. Also, this I think I think Bud in terms of rotations is doing a plenty fine job, and because you got guys like Drew Holiday, Chris Milton, who can really carry an offense for stretches, like you know individual games, it kind of be t- kind of taking uh <laughs> taking turns doing so, and then Giannis is playing a little less out of control, and I don't know if that's you know uh, health related or if that's just uh, you know him developing a, a greater understanding of what he can do to defenses, but. Those three guys are driving enough offense, and then you know, if, if Pat's hitting the shots or if PJ's just you know catching and keeping it moving, like I don't mind it, you know, because like they're not going to leave PJ Tucker wide open because when he has shot, he is shooting good percentages. So I I do think we're probably looking into this a little bit more than is like 100% necessary, but it's, it's something to think about when we we watch like especially come fourth quarter time what ro- what the rotation is do we need more offense because Devin Booker's on a heater and we just need to try to keep up with him or do we need someone to make him work you know get 20 seconds deep in the shot clock before there's a heave yeah um and to be fair to bud like he's only going eight deep and but the eighth person is Jeff Teague but but Dante DiVincenzo's not out there, right? Like, Jeff Teague would not be seeing minutes at all if DiVincenzo was healthy. And props to Bud after those atrocious seven minutes in, in that in that first quarter. Um, I guess I guess first half, I should say. I guess we did see Jeff Teague in the um, Thanasis minutes at the to, you know to to close the half where. It's you want to just get someone a little bit more, a little more time, and and just to have someone else out there, maybe not pick up a foul, whatever the case is. But he didn't come back in the second in the second half, right? Usually he has 14 minutes. If you if you go back and uh, let me go back and, and take a look, but usually he gets uh, a couple. He had to give up 11 minutes. So like he gets usually gets some t- some run in the second half. Didn't get it in this game, right? After that awful awful um, stint that he part, had. And part of that's got to be Drew Holiday just playing on, in such control of the game. Like, he, he had such a solid game in Game 5 that, like, he, you, you probably were like, oh, yeah, let's just keep him in there because he, he, he was shooting well. He, was, he wasn't he was forcing an issue. And, like, the way I described to my buddies is, like, you know, Drew Holiday played like the team's point guard today. And that's what he has to do because Giannis, as much as he's, he can do a lot of that stuff and he's, he's getting better at it all the time, he still needs to play more like the Shaq than – than like LeBron, like that yeah. he needs to be closer to being a play finisher than a play creator. But obviously, Shaq great. Like I, it's, it's probably been all blown out of the water, but it probably holds true for the career. Almost a lot of players that Shaq played with had their career best uh, three point makes in a season playing next to Shaq because Shaq catches it, double team, kick out, wet. Happened all the time. I know. I know Damon Jones specifically for the Heat. Like that's the that's the name I'll never forget because I think he stayed in the career a little bit longer because of his success with Shaq uh, when he had a stint in Miami and I think that I think I know that trend continued with Dennis Scott in uh, Orlando and other players. 
But Drew Holiday playing like an adult point guard in the last game and obviously shooting really efficiently on top of it, I think that enabled you know Teague to not be tested again. I will say, um, I don't know how much like Giannis. I think this is the next evolution for Giannis. Like I don't know how much of that post facilitation he does. Like I think it's more so. I think that that's an, an area where he can grow, especially considering how, like I think he's taken a leap, gone up a level in, in his facilitating. I think he's had the uh, the vision for a lot of things, especially in the driving, but it's the passes haven't really connecting all those passes hasn't quite been there. And even still, he's not always hitting people in their shooting pockets like LeBron can, uh, like LeBron does, because LeBron's an all-world passer. But I think he's improved in that regard. But I, I do wonder if we begin to see stuff like you're talking about the Shaq or, or like like Blake Griffin um, uh, a couple seasons ago with the Pistons where he would, from, from the perimeter, go and work into his, uh, into his post-up and that was the Pistons' offense, right? I yeah. think you could see some of that stuff uh, eventually come out for Giannis. But his role gravity, best role man in the league, um, you, you see his, you see that gravity pulling people in. And because it does, it opens things up in space for guys at the perimeter. Yeah, um, his, his number one comes, like his, his, obviously off the dribble is still his number one facilitation thing, just because that's where he's been comfortable for the last probably four seasons, ever since Kidd decided to make him, make him the point guard which was great for development, probably not perfect for his in-game. Um, but, all that being said, his catch and facilitate or you know one-dribble dunks from the short roll this series has been the, the best, like, the thing that makes me the most happy about trusting him towards end of games is because he's catching the ball so close to a dunk or so close to a layup that you have to foul, you have to give him the layup dunk, or... If you step up and you're straight up and, you know, the, they got the wall there, you he now has – he knows there's two people in front of him. Someone is open. And I think he's seen he's seen the angles to throw the passes. Like that's – that that development, that short roll facilitation, just fin, play finishing has been has been the stuff. It makes me so happy. Yep. And that's what um, we need from Bam Adebayo too because there's no reason he can't do that. For sure. Um, so uh, – We've been focused a bit on the Bucks uh, in this because they've been winning three in a uh, row. But, three in a row. Uh, but we should we should probably take a look at what's not been going so well for you know the Phoenix Suns. Uh, one thing off the bat, I'm just going to say it: uh, Chris Paul's left wrist is is not really there. You see a number of times where he's just losing the ball on these you know behind the back things, and you know DeAndre Ayton is. Uh, narrowly avoiding an over and back and you know it's just it's not quite there glad it's his left wrist so he can still catch and shoot but there's times where he's just hey i'm gonna go off and stay to the corner because i can provide some semblance of spacing but it ends up being a lot of Devin booker on ball and the reason why that ends up being an issue is that we don't get as many other people involved as they need to be uh so in the first quarter, uh, we had an explosion from Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder was just going crazy, right? Hitting shots, putbacks, like out here looking like LeBron James uh, in, in, in that first day. And then they call a timeout, and then really he doesn't get involved again in the rest of the game. Like that, that was it. That was all his offensive output. And what's what ends up being tough is, again, 
the opportunities that Devin Booker ends up creating for other people. So uh, Seth Partnow uh, from The Athletic, he has been tracking uh, potential assist numbers that Devin Booker's creating, right? Not actual assist numbers because, you know, you, you do all the work, someone takes a shot, they miss, right? But potential assists. In game one and game two, he had 16 potential assists and 12 potential assists. I should, I should mention the defensive strategy for the Bucks was way different in game one than it is the rest of the way. And in game two, they were really trying to limit and stop Booker and Chris Paul by helping with the next guy on the perimeter. And so it led to just a lot of kick it, um, you know, kick opportunities to the corners. And I'm, I'm sure they, I think they hit like 20 corner threes in game two. So like you had, um, so like those were kind of a little bit, uh, those numbers I think are higher than they, than they would have been because of the way Milwaukee played, but there were still double digits game three, game four and game five. The ones they lost, he created five potential assists, five and four potential assists with him having the ball as much as he has because Chris Paul really hasn't been able to operate. One other thing we should notice is that Drew Holiday gets switched onto Chris Paul and, and, and has that be the primary. Now, he does take stints guarding Devin Booker, but uh, spending a lot of his time on Chris Paul nullifying him. But what that does is, hey, it, it makes Booker have to do a lot more on ball and while he's been, you know, going and just, again, thrashing P.J. Tucker, we're having less and less opportunities where that he's creating for other people. And it's a hard, hard line to, to walk and trying to look for yours, and also, but also creating shots and opportunities for other people. But, man, I, 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 wonder, um, I, I wonder what they can do. Like, one person that we both think should get should get a little more is Mikel Bridges, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Mikel Bridges is is performing at, at at just good clips all around. Obviously, he's out there for defensive purposes constantly, but like he's, I, I can't think of any just bad plays from Mikel Bridges. Like nothing's coming to mind. Um, he's shooting 50, almost 55% from the field, 45 from three. And it's just like, this guy's just being so underutilized. And, you know, to go back to the, the Booker facilitation role, it's Booker is so good at in the mid range. It's kind of, it's kind of hurting his team because that's where his comfort zone's at right now. I honestly think if he was a, if he would put his head down, you know, a little bit and try to get a step more into the paint, those passing lanes are going to open up. It'll be an, it'll be easier for him to facilitate, but He's making he's shooting so good from the mid range. Why like why would he actually do that without like some coaching telling him like hey we can get we can get Mikael this many more open threes we can get Jay Crowder this many open more open threes Cam Johnson's gonna have this many more open threes if you can get a couple steps more in and force the help because right now he's just he's just cooking his interpersonal his individual defender and getting open mid rangers or even hitting contested mid rangers but what what we need from him we we need him right now. If we're the Suns, we need him to get one more step, force the help, and get that ball moving around and get those more those potential assists thrown up because he he's a good passer. We we, we just we need we need to see it more and like I think that extra step into the paint into the restrict into the areas will will open the the passing lanes and we'll see some more shots from 
those three guys I mentioned all shooting above 45% from three for the series. Cam Johnson played 50 minutes in the last two games, game four and five. And Cam Johnson took three shots. Sorry, sorry. Not, not nine shots. Three in game five and six in uh, game four. Mikel Bridges played about 57 minutes in those games. And Mikel Bridges took uh, four shots in game four and six shots in game five. So we're, it's not enough. You need more opportunities. And again, shooting a high, at a high clip, high percentage for both of those guys. Devin Booker, um, shot attempts, took 33. 33 shot attempts in um, game five. Take a look over at uh, game four, and he took 28. So like he's getting a lot of opportunities, a lot of shots. I just, again, it's a hard thing to do. And I, I we, we've seen Point Book before. And we like the fact that he doesn't have to do that all the time, but I'd like to see a little bit more facilitation, like 10% of the opportunities. Find other guys. What I've seen from him in the last couple games reminds me of a very very frustrating player for me personally, and that's C.J. McCollum, a guy who can dribble wherever he needs to get to, can can shoot over a lot of his matchups, and and can, can get you from any spot on the court in theory. But he so often settles, like when when he could get another step in. So we never see C.J. McCollum getting a lot big high assist games unless Dame doesn't play, and then he you know he, he assumes a lot more of that responsibility. And honestly, D- Damian Lillard can do this as well, where he'll fall in love with the three point shot, and it, it goes in enough that that doesn't usually hurt him. Um, but he doesn't he he neglects the rim, and then. His assist numbers are low. No one's in rhythm. And unless Dame can do Dame time, which he does a lot, obviously, no one else is ready to help him because no one has seen the ball for a while. And I, I worry that that's kind of what's happening with, with Devin Booker's game closing is that he's he's just not he's not getting everything out of his offensive package, which includes the rim. And that that's what I, th- I really think it's that simple, Rich. I think he just needs to get a couple more steps in and utilize those two guys, specifically Cam and Mikel, who are great catch and shoot guys. They're going to play minutes. We, we, we just need to get them the ball a little bit more, let them shoot. Cause if, if they're shooting 40% from three, if they're shooting 38% from three, we're, we're helping that we're helping the cause and they're shooting 45. Not to mention Jay Crowder, but uh, yeah, Jay Crowder's he, also shooting also, really well. Also, also involved in that. Well, again, he, he, there are games where it's like, He's on and he's off, but like that's just that's just the Jay Crowder. That's just how it works. Um, Jay Crowder, when he misses, he misses so erratically. You can get a lot of offensive rebounds, <laughs> which is something that the Bucks have been getting a lot of. Uh, in fact, I mean that, that was one of the the stories of Game Four, right? Just having so many more opportunities and uh, attempts with. Yeah, yeah, attempts with the ball. I mean, you look at the field goal attempts in Game Four, seventy-eight for the Bucks and ninety-seven for um, for, for sorry, seventy-eight for Phoenix, ninety-seven for for Milwaukee, and it's that was the story then. And and, and you're still seeing you know huge offensive rebounds taking place even down the stretch, right? Like Giannis misses free throws. Everyone like I, I saw. Um, uh, Chris Paul say, "Hey, uh, everyone knows he's missing, and we're, we're not getting it. Uh, we're not getting the board. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's. I look at what Phoenix has been doing, and I think to myself, like, 
how sustainable is this long term? Like it feels like Phoenix has things that they can go to, and if they just again fine tune it just enough, the the Bucks have fine tuned things just enough to kind of put them in this position. So hey, props to Coach Bud. Uh, we've rightly slandered him a number of times on on this podcast. And he's gotten, I think, to the point where, again, I, I don't have much beef with his the approach. Look at the overall minutes. I approve of the overall minutes. Maybe a slight thing here or there where it's like, do we really have to get to game five to realize that we don't need to be seeing double-digit minutes for, uh, you know, Jeff Teague? Probably not, but it, hey, it's okay. He probably has now realized, and he's he's gotten away with it, right? It's... I don't know. It's uh... yeah, we, we we we've hit the, the the part of the series like and we we talk we've talked about it in the past where it, we we know the rotations we know the game plans we know everyone's strengths and weaknesses we know PJ Tucker can shoot but he's not going to we know we know Chris Paul is struggling with his his wrist we know he's he's having even with this most recent game only one turnover he's having a high turnover series for a guy like Chris Paul who can go weeks without turnovers it seems like. And we know that there's Mikael, Cam, and Jay Crowder that could use some more shots. Maybe not Jay Crowder more shots because he's he's still getting plenty of shots, but definitely Mikael and Cam could use some more shots. We 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 see it all. We have it all understanding. And now it's a matter of executing game plans. And for the Suns, it means I think getting more three pointers up to keep up with the Bucks, who take a lot. It's about it's it's about trying to solve the the, the few minutes that you don't have. Uh, Aiton on the court, and the rim is much more of an attractive option for anyone on the court. Um, but the the rub I'll say is when J- when Drew Holiday is playing his game and playing aggressive, and and I and I'm gonna say the phrase again, playing like the team's point guard because he should be. I, I find the Bucks incredibly hard to stop because if he's he's got that size advantage, he got a strength advantage. He, he's one of those guys who can really get into all areas of the court because of either length, speed, or strength. And if he's probing, you got Giannis probing, Chris Middleton working for those mid-rangers, you're now you got all levels of the court covered and it, it can be it can be a really special really special bit. We did have the Drew Holiday game and it's for anyone who's ever loved Drew Holiday and and, and has been a stand for him, this is the type of game that you like point to. And it was sweet. We had it finals here. and But here's the thing. You, you don't get the 12 for 20 Drew Holiday unless, you know, people are telling him and, and he has the confidence to get through and get past the 4 for 20 uh, Drew Holiday game. And so he's been bringing it on the defensive end. But, man, go, to go out there and drop 27 and 13 assists, right? Three steals. One of them, the heat, the, the, the really, the, the, two-handed dig to go in there and, and, and grab the ball. I saw someone on Twitter say refs don't generally call fouls for those two-handed digs because it looks like, oh, we're going in there and people are fumbling for the ball. Am I going to call a jump ball? Am I going to, you know, what, and so he went in there was able to rip it out and got to say, that just some, some very, uh, you know, like that lob to do that in that moment. And, and, and again, Giannis is you throw it up there and if, if it's in range and like 
that's an automatic two points. Um, but Chris Paul is there trying to shove him and, and get him out of the way, and he almost shoved him to the point where he was a little too far. And it, man, it was uh, that that sequence right there was was incredibly impressive from Drew Holiday. I want to speak to that steal um, that Drew Holiday got. Keep in mind, this this guy who was guarding Chris Paul. Chris Paul is shooting over 50% from three in this series. The amount this this is where I want to give a shout out to to someone in someone in the advanced scouting team for the Bucks and also Drew Holiday's in, uh, instincts because for him to leave a 50% shooter from three in that moment to go directly to where Devin Booker with we we saw it when uh when he hit the shot over Paul George and Kawhi right he dribbles in pumps and then pivots back away like completely away from the the current defender and he he, he can rise and hit that shot a hundred times out of a hundred like he really can it's, it's something he's practiced we've seen that stuff from Kobe we've seen this stuff from Dwayne Wade just that like high high jump get to your release point float and let it go and Drew Holiday knowing this game situation knowing what was very available to Devin Booker in terms of options um out, out of the play where he had one guy he could pass to, but if I'm coming from that passing angle, I can probably get a steal. He runs in as soon as De- Devin rotates, those two hands come into the ball. Like that is, that is a level of preparation. I, I truly do believe on advanced scouting of the bucks and also drew holidays, great instincts to know that book had no other passes on that play. He was going to shoot it. If, if, as soon as he made that pivot, drew came down, got in his airspace, absolutely rips it. That's just such a smart play that if if it's me out there with just you know, give me a good NBA ready body to play some defense, I don't leave Chris Paul there. I don't. I, I don't leave a fifty percent shooter knowing that that can ruin our game right now. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. We, li- we live and die with you know the Kobe moment, the Wade moment of hitting, and the, the Devin Booker moment of hitting a tough mid range shot to to really really kind of like get us on our nerves. But Drew Holiday, I think through preparation, knew he could go there. Because by the time Devin Booker saw him, the ball's already in in front of him. I got good hands. I got the ball. Yeah, it feels like Book went in a little too much. feels like he, I think, had an opportunity to rise up a little bit earlier. And then, well, has he kept going? Um, but it's, yeah, it's super impressive. Um, with game six and the potential game seven on the horizon, um, Man, it's it's going to require Phoenix at this point in time to. We've talked about what we think Booker needs to do, and you know Paul just needs to, I guess, manage and and, and I guess limit, limit turnovers. And but you feel like it's going to have to require DeAndre Ayton to make a bigger impact. Um, and, and again, not just an impact outside of the out of the box score, but you know also. Find find some ways to, to get in there and get get more second chance opportunities. If this keeps moving toward and, and Book Club has played more minutes and actually closed for them down the stretch. Uh, I don't know if he cl- if closed closed the final game because I think they got Pat Connaughton in there for, for like the very end. But he's playing some minutes in the fourth quarter that he hadn't been playing up to that point. And I I, I just you feel like you need him to to really get involved um, 
uh, a little bit more in in the way I I don't quite know what that is because of his his style of you know just being nimble and and kind of a do it all do what I'm asked and and he's not again not someone who's gonna just you know back to the basket let's go ahead and pound and it's so it's it's a tough thing to ask but it's just in order for you to get to get the victory I mean Booker's putting out ridiculous offensive things CP is obviously limited doing his best you know the best he can gotta come from somewhere and Mikhail Bridges obvious an obvious one uh maybe Booker getting more people involved he can get the perimeter shooting output but I think it's gonna come from him in some way and so I don't know if that's offensive glass opportunities or or what but yeah, Aiton Aiton has been good in the series. I mean, he's shooting great from the free throw line when he gets fouled. He's fifty seven percent from the field, and he he does have some difficult attempts here and there because like you know he kind of he, he kind of can be one of the guys who gets the ball shoved towards him because hey you're closer let's let's get a, a good flick up there try finish fifteen and thirteen is his average average two assists a block a block and a half and a steal and a half a game, but what what I see what I see from Aiton is I would just like to see him be a little bit more aggressive going for going into some contact when he catches it around the rim. And it's not just a, a quick, a quick duck in easy layup because I, I think plenty of the guys on the bucks are, are a little bit foul prone, you know, Brooke Lopez being one of them. He like, he's, 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 he's kind of, he's kind of slow. So if you can get a step on him, you can, you can probably get him to foul you. Uh, PJ Tucker, if he's ever in there, just go, just go over him. Who cares? But I would just like to see him when, when he, when it's not, you know, catch and immediately up, just look for a little bit more contact. You're, you're, you're so strong and and you make free throws. If you're going to, you're going to make some of these anyway, you're going to get some three point opportunities. I, I just would like to see him seek out a little bit more contact. Um, and just be, and just be present. Um, when shots, especially when Booker's isolated, just be present in there for, for some offensive rebounds and don't hesitate to immediately go back up. That's where Andre Drummond, you know, has made a, made a living is rebounding and going right back up. And then if he got, if Andre Drummond could, could have shot 70% from the free throw line, his whole NBA career, he might, he might already have passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in, on the scoring list. Well, the problem with Andre Drummond is it's get the rebound and go back up and get the rebound and go back up and get the rebound and go back. It's like, it's, it's a, it's a continuous so, cycle. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Um, like again, Aiton had a twenty and ten game, right? Three three of those boards be three of those ten being offensive. It just feels like it's gonna have to be like a twenty and twenty. I don't know. It, it, it's well, he, he really has to dominate, and I think some of that starts with with minutes in the game, and you know, he has to stay out of foul trouble, which is hard because they got a guy that named uh, Giannis who who attacks. It's like. To, to get like it's 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 such a hard thing to do because the, the Bucks did shoot well from the field like they shot 50 percent from three like by the way that's the, we haven't mentioned that the absurd offensive output for both teams yeah, in game huge. five like yeah we, we, we I was about to go on a little bit of a thing about how he didn't get just didn't grab enough rebounds I'm like well no one grabbed enough rebounds because no one missed it's hard it's hard to grab rebounds when no one's missing no no one on the Bucks individually had 10 rebounds like that that tells you Fair. something yeah. Um. And that, and that, like the Suns, the Suns played an incredible offensive game too. Um. It's just a matter of you know the Bucks played that much better. But I, 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 I do look at Aiton and I just he, he's just got to be a little bit more involved. And I don't, I don't know how he personally uh and gets that gets that to happen. Um. Maybe it's just setting that much that that percentage better screen so he can 
be that much more open on a short roll. I I don't know. It just it's got it's I, it's got to be more from him. We got to see more. We got to see more output. But then again, we've been saying about every player that's not Devin Booker and Chris Paul, and it's not like we actually want Chris Paul and Devin Booker to not be involved. We just I, I think we'd like to see the fun ball hopping nature that we saw from the, in the regular season sun so frequently. What is really ridiculous with uh, if you just like look at the overall team stat line, like. The Bucks shot 57, 50, and 52 as far as splits, 52% from the free throw line. Um, and the Phoenix Suns shot 55, 68, I know. and 90. Like, you're right. That was, that was a ridiculous offensive um, output uh, by both teams in that game. And again, but again, the, the, the clinching play is... On you know that that Drew Holiday dig, yeah, and you know, the teams weren't even high turnovers either. Like you know, sometimes you, you see some high shooting when there's high, like it's eleven turnovers is a, a, a is pretty standard number. Eight turnovers is pretty standard, but those live ball turnovers, those are the ones you can't have, and that's what that's what the one was to uh to close out the game. Drew Holiday again. I I the more I think about, it, the more impressed I am. Is how how good of a play that was. And like I remember early on. In the series, a lot of the discussions were, oh, well, you know, Phoenix, Phoenix is just the better team. And uh, it was like, those are the discussions. But now now that we're in this, I'm hearing a lot of, well, the, the, the Bucks are just the better team. And, like, these, these teams are just very evenly matched. And both of them missing, you know, key players. Like I said at the beginning, like, hey, this is this is a series where missing Dante DiVincenzo is going to be really big and important. Um, for them, and because Phoenix at that point in time had had no injuries, and now the Sarge ones goes out, and you look at Sarge, it's like, well, who cares? You know, start Sarge, but really important because of again the lack of depth that that Phoenix has, and I, it's it's tough because again these teams are just so evenly matched that I. I think to myself, you know, Phoenix could definitely come back and win. They could come back and win both games, and and we could have Phoenix as the champions. But it's when you your back's against the wall, and it's you know, two games like you, you can't withstand a game, another game where the Bucks are going crazy from three, right? You, you can't withstand a random. Uh, oh, Giannis decided Giannis accidentally made eighty percent of his free throws today, and. When he's been making, you know, thirty whatever, and so thirty six percent in game five. It's like it's it's one of those things where it's tough to withstand any sort of you know thing that might be considered an aberration. Oh, we all well, who who knew that we were gonna have the Bobby Portis makes every three game? Well, you lost now, and so it's we've hit that stretch where. Phoenix is going to have to play well and probably get a little bit lucky if they're going to pull this out. Yeah, and and those games you're talking about happen in every series ever. Yeah, like mm-hmm. when you're talking about you know the Bobby Portis game, or you're talking about like this like when the series started, a lot of people were you know kind of like upset with the matchup, but it's just d- dumb people that are because these these are two really good teams. We knew this all season that these were mm-hmm. good teams, or I would say we knew 20 games into the season that Phoenix was a really good team. We we thought they would be solid, solid, but we we, we I don't know if we all knew. They would be a finals team, or a finals contender, even when they match, like would you know get their initial playoff series. But 
go back, like, you know, get my heat-centric thing in here. There was the Mario Chalmers game. There's the Mike Miller shoeless game. Like they, they all, Everyone has their moments. They have their guys who contribute in uh, unsuspecting ways that make guys like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, guys like Devin Booker, Chris Paul, guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, Dirk Nowitzki. Like, all these guys have a guy who shows up and makes it makes it work for the game. They all need that because they 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 don't score they don't score the 123 points by themselves, right? And you know, I personally think this series has been very fun. Like game one and two mm-hmm. were a little little less fun, but that's because three. You know, uh, yeah, I guess so. Like I I guess three three was cloaked in the we have a series now. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I I, I don't have as many as many poor thoughts towards that game specifically. But I, I think the series has been a lot of fun. We, we've gotten to see um, Devin Booker grow up some more and play and play really solid, except for Game Three. And I think the next step, and if we want to extend this to a Game Seven, it's got to be the facilitation book. It's got to be the. It's got to be get everyone else a little bit more involved. It can't. It can't just be the I score all the points. I mean, maybe good if you score eighty or so, you could be I score all the points. But you're gonna you're gonna need a little bit of help here, pal. And I I I, I know you can do it. Give give me a thirty five and eight versus a forty and three, right? Yeah, and not to mention if you get if you're doing the eight, you probably had eleven that could have went in. Yeah. Could like you're, you're talking about the the Sam Vecini pulling up those stats. Um, yeah, the more you're passing, the more people, in my opinion, make shots too. Like it's it's, it's contagious. And I'm looking at Mikael Bridges and just like man, that guy's so talented. You you need you need to get him. Get him the amount of looks he needs to take his ascension as the you know more than a three and D guy. Because if you use him as three and D, that's great, that's wonderful. But he he can be a little bit more than that, and I I, I don't think I don't think now is a good time to let let him prove it. Now is not a bad time to let him prove it. I don't know what I actually said. So, um, six or seven? What do you think? I think it's six, though. You think it's you think it's bucks and six? I do. I do. Well, I mean, if it is cool, um, I've I'm just gonna keep maintaining what I've just bucks and seven. This is the what I've been what I've been feeling. Um, With with every with every ounce of my being, that's what I'm rooting for is bucks and seven, or just in seven general. I actually kind of think I I think I would prefer the Suns to win actually because I I love Chris Paul. First of all. You you said ah, I didn't didn't care for game one and game two the only games that the Phoenix Suns win and that now you say you know I think there's a little bit of Phoenix slander here from you. Listen, that might be the case. There might be some slander, but maybe that's just me loving this team so much that I want them to perform better. I at the end of the day, I want seven games because I want more basketball. That's what oh, I want. Oh yeah, same same. Um, but. I, I I really just think this whole we have we have to play a perfect X amount of minutes when Aiton doesn't play and then Aiton's got to also play great when he's out there because he's defending against you know one of the better post scorers in the in since he got in the league of Brook Lopez who's now transitioned into a pretty versatile offensive threat and then Giannis the new Shaq he's got to play against that all day good luck good luck it's tough Aiton it's tough out there last thing I want to mention today and think about is the potential um, storyline coming coming out of this. What was that? Was it the potential max contract for Pat Connaughton? 
No, I mean, it's not, that's, that's not where we're going with this, but, like, the potential, like, I just need people to, like, I need people to not slander Chris Paul. Uh, to the point, I'm just anticipating it at this point. It's like, listen. Oh, it's coming, buddy. Like, it, it, it's coming. And th- I think that there are fair things where it's like, hey, you know, a guard of his size and the just injuries that just tend to accumulate. Like, I think that you can go somewhere there. But I don't want, I don't want anyone going at, you know, the, oh, you know, was, wasn't, didn't have, didn't have it in him for the moment, right? Or, or just, you know, stuff like that. Like, I, we're, we're going to come out of this, I mean, have we haven't we already heard that he's got like some ligaments in his wrist that are that are jacked up? Like, we're we're probably gonna hear that like oh he's got like torn. I don't know, I don't I don't know all ligaments of the wrist, but like you you're, you're gonna come out and you're gonna hear that post whatever. Um, and it's it, it's tough because people have been wanting to slander and 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 talk about you know how Giannis is a Robin right from from people who shouldn't actually be talking about basketball, Kendrick Perkins. Oops, sorry, slipped out there. But, uh, it like, I, I wonder what, um, I, I just, I need people to recognize that Chris Paul's still very good. He's had a phenomenal career, and it's it's tough if he doesn't get this one because he's so close, right? And this looks like the opportunity. Um, Giannis has been great and this probably opens the doors for him to win more regular season MVPs because people will have seen it happen in the playoffs and and now be okay with it with whatever his output is people will probably stop slandering Chris Middleton in my group chat as much um people will still love Drew Holiday um Bud still probably doesn't deserve it maybe he's played he's coached a little bit of a better game doesn't mean that some of the things he's done you know, doesn't mean he's coached perfect a perfect playoffs, and doesn't mean that Monty Williams isn't the coach that everyone thought he was two weeks ago, right? It's it's NBA Finals with two close game with, with with two close teams, and if one team ends up being slightly better than the other, and and pulls it out in a game six or a game seven, like listen, why 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 can't we just have things be close without you know it driving so you know. So many just awful narratives. Like when the Bucks were down, uh, O two, oh again in in the in the group chat that, that that I am referencing, it was losers lose talking about the Bucks. It was like, come on, can't can we just can we point to other things? Can't we point to like specific uh, things and, and and talk in a little bit of more nuanced way? But that's just I guess not what um, social media is for in, in, in basketball. So. There's no fun in that. You got you got to attack people's personal character if you wanna, if you wanna know what's going on in the NBA. Well, well, we know that to be true. It, <laughs> if you don't bring up everyone's every single life or basketball mistake when you're talking about something, you you didn't do it right. I'm ready for the Bobby Portis um, uh, game that we're about to have. In 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 because it, it's. You know what? That that could go both ways. It could it could be the uh, a good Bobby Porter's game or a bad Bobby Porter's game um, in, it could, in, it could in Milwaukee. Be the, could be to either benefit. Yes. <laughs> either yes. team benefit when when, it's, when we're talking about Bobby Porter's game. As long as Nikola Mirotic is safe, we don't want to be too concerned. Yeah. Um, I just don't want it to be the Jeff T game. <laughs> but it could be the Jeff T game. <laughs> The Jeff T. What if it's the Jeff T. game? I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not mentally ready for that. 
Speaking of Jeff Teague, though, I was watching some of his old wake highlights the other day. It just populated in my timeline somehow. And my goodness, it, I remember that. And it, I, that was fun. Good Jeff. Go Jeff Teague. Go. Indianapolis guy. <laughs>